Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to the Recruiting Blast Peristyle Podcast, a special edition where we talk USC recruiting. We have Gerard Martinez, uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst, coming on the show, talking all about USC football recruiting, getting ready for signing day. Gerard is a busy, busy man. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing okay. A little under the weather, but... uh... Nothing stops recruiting, so we got to continue to plug ahead. The recruiting train rolls on and lots going on. So if you don't know, we do a Peristyle podcast every Monday, but we've been doing the, the past month or so recruiting podcasts. We'll continue those probably for a little while. Maybe we'll have to stop over Christmas break, but you know, heading up to signing day, there's so much recruiting news going on that uh, it's been fun to do a separate podcast. And we've had a lot of people tweeting about it, Gerard. People are loving the uh, separate recruiting podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's definitely it focuses a little more on the questions of recruiting and allows us to explain, you know, things a little more. We try to go rapid fire as much as possible, but as you'll hear on pro- probably this week's uh, edition of the uh, Trojan Blast, uh, sometimes the questions uh, do not allow us to, to go rapid fire and have quick answers. Sometimes the the questions are a bit convoluted, but you know, the recruiting process is convoluted. It is certainly is, and uh, so we are going to take questions. We have a couple pages worth of questions. We love your question. So if you have a question for Gerard or for the regular show, Team Stuff, podcast at uscfootball.com or call us 206-888-6755. Leave a voicemail and we can play your voicemail on the air and answer your question on the podcast. I just want to let people know, and Gerard, I think you're down for this, uh, Monday, next Monday. So that is, what's the date of next Monday? That would be, what's today? The 13th. So the 19th. Monday the 19th, December 19th, um, at McKay's Restaurant, which is right next to the Galen Center, across from the USC campus uh, at the at the base of the Radisson Hotel. We'll have Coach Harvey Hyde, Dan Weber, myself, Gerard Martinez. Uh, we'll have a little roundtable there. We'll, we'll start taping the podcast around 11 o'clock, kind of hanging out, just all, of, all four of us talking. We'll answer questions or topics or whatever you guys want to talk about. And if you want to come down and watch it live, come down. We'll all have lunch afterwards. You can chat with all of us. So it should be a fun Fun little event for our 200th episode. Yep. Well, uh, it's it's hit us kind of fast. It seems like uh, we've uh, we've been doing these for a while, but um, you never know how they add up in terms of the numbers when you look back at how many actions done. Yeah, that's a lot of. Uh, we've done Mondays and Wednesdays, and now we're doing the action. So we've done more than than 200 because we've done these Trojan Blasts, but 200 that's not counting yeah. the Trojan Blast, yeah, yeah, 200 official episodes weekly episodes of the Peristyle Podcast. So it should be fun. So hopefully if you guys want to come out on Monday. Uh, well, let's jump into some questions, Gerard. And I think the first thing is that for you know USC trying to get um, 15 scholarships per the NCAA sanctions, then they can also bring in some early enrollees. So we had a couple questions on that. Uh, he said, "I know." let's see. Oh, yeah. Who do you think the early enrollees will be? Pretty straightforward question. Is Devontae Wilson healthy enough to be part of this early enrollee class? And that's from uh, Gregory in the OC. And then we also have a voicemail question on early enrollees. Let me play that one for you. Hey, Ryan, it's me. I got a question for Gerard. Um, we had previously we had four early enrollees. We lost two of them, Eric Armstead and Kelvin York. Now we only have two. Um, I wanted to know what is Gerard hearing out there, you know, whether – the JUCO ranks or early enrollees that we might take, um, how, up to how many can we take, and when is the deadline for them to sign? Um, wanted to know that, and thank you very much, and fight on. So USC actually has three early enrollees right now. They have Scott Starr, uh, the 6'3", 225-pound linebacker from Norco. He will enroll early. Uh, they have Chad Wheeler, the 6'6", 265-pound offensive tackle from Santa Monica. He just came back 
from his official visit to Cal. And, you know, there were some stories talking about him being down to USC and Cal and, and still looking at Cal uh, from talking to him last night. He says he's going to sign with USC. It sounded a little more like a done deal uh, from me talking to him. Um, and, and then you have uh, Devontae Wilson, and Devontae Wilson is going to be a part of the 2012 class as an early enrollee as well. Whether he's healthy enough to be an early enrollee, I don't know if that really makes a difference. The, 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 he, I mean, health-wise, it's not an issue so much as, you know, they need to get guys in early who are going to be able to contribute in the fall. So whether he comes in, in in June or January, I think, doesn't really matter. They'd love for him to be healthy enough to be able to come in and play and participate in spring ball. He feels like he's going to be ready for that. He feels like he should be ready to go for that. Um, we'll see how that happens. Uh, you know, sometimes the, the guys, you know, mentally are, are, are ready to get going and feel like they're ready, uh, but the training staff will, will really take their time. There's no really, there's no real reason to push him that early if he's not 100% ready. So we'll see how that all goes on. But they have three right now, so they have two more spots. Um, those guys that are going to sign are going to sign December 21st. That is the early JUCO signing period. Um, so they have two more spots, and Gerald Bowman is obviously a guy that uh, we've talked a lot about on the podcast um, the the six foot one, uh, 195 pound, 200 pound four star safety from Pierce College in Woodland Hills, California. We did a live show with him uh, last week and uh, talked a lot with him. And if you guys missed that live show, you missed a lot of information. I mean, he talked a lot about his recruitment. He talked a lot about just him as a person and kind of how he is looking at recruiting. We also talked to uh, his defensive coordinator, uh, Tyrone Greenwood, and he had a lot of really interesting things and insightful things to say about Gerald's recruitment as well. Uh, he just came back, uh, Gerald Bowman, from Miami. And so, uh, you know, he, now Miami's in his top three, uh, if you will. He's got uh, Oklahoma, he's got USC, and he's got Miami. And, you know, I get the sense that uh, with him, it, you know, he really likes USC, and I think there's a lot of reasons for him to go to USC. But the biggest reason why he's going to go to one college over the other is probably going to be playing time. He's a JC player. He's got three to play two, and those guys want to play on the field immediately. They don't have a lot of time. Um, you know, they don't have five years to play four, so they can kind of hang out and develop as a player. You know, he wants to play early. TJ McDonald is not going to make an announcement uh, more than likely before January, so he's going to just kind of have to take a chance and see if he goes to USC. Maybe TJ leaves, maybe he doesn't. You know, he has to feel like he can be able to contribute even with TJ there. USC did a good job of selling him on that plan. Um, I think Miami could be in there. I think Miami actually has a legitimate shot. They promised him playing time immediately. Uh, they still, I think, want to kind of filter out that roster a little bit that they have and bring in a really big class this year because uh, I think the sense is that they just don't have a lot of players um, that are Al Golden-type players um, on that roster right now. Obviously, Miami's got a lot of questions coming forth uh, with the NCAA investigation, um, a lot of uh, you know pretty serious allegations towards that program. But, of course, we've seen serious allegations thrown around with programs before. And, you know, Ohio State, Auburn, some really crazy bombastic stories about what's going on in those programs and the NCAA did not come down on them like they came down on USC. So same could be, you know, held true with Miami in that situation. And, you know, maybe he goes in and, and before Miami even really gets in trouble and they really get any kind of uh, sanctions, um, he might be gone uh, from the program. He's, you know, going to be there for two years. So uh, it, it, we'll see what goes on. It's it's going to be interesting for him. That would leave one spot if he did end up going to USC. And that's kind of up in the air. It's, it's, it's hard to say. It's USC's trying to get some guys in that, uh, you know, could, could be early enrollees on visits. Uh, but some of them have fall through already. Uh, you know, Briante Dunn, uh, the six foot uh, one, two hundred twenty-five pound uh, running back from Canton. It appears that he's going to take his visit to Michigan this weekend. So you know, it's going to be pretty tough to be able to get him in for an official visit to USC uh, because just time is running out. Unless he comes in as a midweek visitor, which is a possibility, but probably a slim possibility. It looks like he's leaning towards Michigan, and that's going to be his last visit. So. You know, you might see a mad scramble here uh, towards, you know, just this, the last few weeks, getting ready for that uh, that early signing period. And, um, you know, there's a possibility that uh, some of these guys, uh, you know, there's, there's guys that are completely off the radar, like last year, a guy like Jeremy Galton, um, who nobody really knew about, gets an offer and ends up committing. You know, USC just wants to get to that, probably that five, 
Lane said five to six, probably five early enrollees any way they can. So, um, you know, there might be some guys in there that uh, wouldn't normally get looks that do get looks. All right, and uh, you mentioned Gerald Bowman, J.D. In, D- in D.C. That was kind of his question, but there was also another one from Jeff. Uh, he says, I want to say that USC is going after one safety prospect for this class pretty hard, but if Bowman doesn't sign, which of these three do you think is the best chance to sign with USC? Uh, Shaq Thompson, Landon Collins, or Josh Shaw, the transfer from Florida? Uh, Joshua Shaw they would have the best shot at. Um, Landon Collins, I think, is, is pretty much a – a done deal, and and I don't think he's really even looking at USC anymore. Um, I, I think Shaq Thompson pretty much sounds like he's a cow commit. Uh, I think somewhere during the process he was basically done deal for Cal, and and there was a reason why he was debating uh, visiting Utah over USC. I think the Cal coaches pretty much told him, hey, you can visit bunch of these different schools but not USC because they're afraid you know USC has that ability to turn them at the last minute and kind of hinted that on the peristyle for a while and I think um, listening to some people talk uh, some sources up there uh, about Jack Thompson just after his visit I think that's pretty much uh, what's what's what kind of happened so I think he's pretty much going to Cal he says he's going to shock people at the Army All-American game with the decision um, but uh, you know sometimes these kids really don't understand what what shocking people is they don't understand how closely the fans actually follow the recruiting process. And if they knew, then they knew they wouldn't be shocking anybody. So uh, I've seen guys at the Army All-American game talk about shocking people, and they turn around, you know, commit to the school. That's the local school that they've had as a leader since day <laughs> one. So, you know, I mean, it's a possibility he could end up going to Oregon. You know, okay. that's that, was sho- that, might be, that might be a shocker. Um, yeah, that, that might surprise some people. I don't know if it'd be a shocker, but it, it would surprise some people. But yeah, out of that group, Josh Josh Shaw, uh, the transfer, six foot one, one ninety five uh, pound uh, safety from Florida, started a few games for Florida this year. He's originally from Palmdale, and uh, he's just um, wants to be closer to home, so he's going to go to school closer to home. Uh, USC would be up there, uh, but he has to gauge, you know, whether USC is going to be interested in him or not. Okay, uh, let's see. So let's pat's up with a kind of general question. Could you explain the recruiting schedule coming up, quiet periods and stuff like that? Because you hear a lot of, you know, this is when coaches can do this or whatever. You know. Well, the quiet period coming up is, let me see, it's um, when you have this this part of all the way up to December till about December 18th, and that ends up being the quiet period. Uh, and that means... Um, there, there can be minimal contact uh, with the recruits, um, but you can't, uh, I think, directly contact them. Or, or it, it's, you know, I don't know the definitions to be honest with you, uh, off the top of my head. I, I know the, the periods in terms of a calendar um, type situation. The 18th is a quiet period, like that one day is a quiet period, and then the 19th through, I think it's like the third or something like that, ends up being a dead period. That means that you can't, you can't talk to the kids at all. That means you, coaches can't call. Recruits, recruits can't be on campus. Uh, there can be no contact whatsoever. Um, you end up getting uh, a little bit of a, um, a contact period in the in the kind of like the fourth through the seventh, and then there ends up being another dead period, January 9th through the twelfth, and then there's a contact period that goes on all the way until the end of January, and and that end of January up until signing day is when you have another dead period where you know they can't uh, talk to recruits. Um, it's it's kind of all over the place this year uh, when I looked at the calendar. Um, I don't know if that's just because of the All-Star Games and the NCAA starting to change things because of the All-Star Games, but it's really, it's really kind of kooky. I, I'll post, I'll, I'll try to find something that actually, like a calendar that maybe explains it, and I'll post it on the Peristyle so you guys that are subscribed to the Peristyle can check it out and, and kind of you know follow along. It is kind of hard to follow along. <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of weird and kooky with uh, you know when they when there's a there's a quiet period in the middle of a, a contact period and then there's a dead period and it usually follows holidays and whatnot but coming up until Christmas is really going to be uh, where you're going to have a little bit of a dead period and then uh, it'll open up again on the other side of uh, of January when we get on the outside of the All Star Games um, so and, and then obviously like I said uh, December 21st is that early signing period uh, for early enrollees and, and JUCO prospects which is very important because USC is trying to get in some of those guys here at the last minute uh, for some visits. Okay. Uh, let's see. We have two questions about the, the kind of same out-of-state thing. Uh, who is the highest priority outside of California for the Trojans? That's from Evan. And Kurt wanted to know, uh, for out-of-state prospects, for who of the defensive ends, who do you think the best 
the, the USC has the best chance to land out of state for defensive ends? Man, um, you know, we've had this question before. It's, it's, it's hard to say. Um, you know, I'd love to just sit here and like, have all the answers of who they're going to get and who they're not going to get, but it's impossible, uh, especially nowadays with recruiting. I mean, obviously, I think Tyreek McCord, the 6'3", 220-pound um, defensive end from Tampa, four-star Army All-American, uh, has been to USC before. He took, his unofficial, or he took an unofficial visit to camp at USC at the Rising Stars camp last summer. I think that's always a step in the right direction when you've got a guy that is willing to pay his own way to come out uh, to California from the East Coast and has that relationship with the coaching staff. That's that's big. But having said that, it seems like he's pretty content staying in the Southeast. Uh, South Carolina is actually the school that a lot of people think is the team to beat for him. Florida's kind of there too. But South Carolina seems like the school that he likes the best right now. USC would be stealing him if they were able to get him on signing day. Noah Spence. You know, it's taken a, a, a kind of a, a, a renewed interest in Ohio State now that Urban Meyer's there. Some people are saying he's actually looking very seriously at Maryland, and that tells me when you, when the school when the kids starting to look at schools that are that are really lesser programs that have really had some tough times. And Maryland was just terrible this year. If he's looking at Maryland, then he's really just looking at it for an excuse to kind of stay close to home. And you know, there's a chance that USC still gets a visit, but you kind of have to wonder. You know, is he just kind of looking to stay close to home and, and not really a guy that is serious about looking at his best options overall? Um, and Darius Hamilton kind of be the same way, had Rutgers and kind of some odd schools that he narrowed his list down to and it's kind of towards October, and then all of a sudden he kind of reopened it up again. And now he's looking at USC again and talking to USC again and talking about maybe taking a visit in late January. Um, again, a guy that I would feel kind of maybe a long shot. The guy is kind of interesting that, that we, we really haven't talked a lot about because he doesn't do a lot of interviews. Um, but Afadi um, Adenabo is the kid that just got an offer kind of early November, mid-November, uh, the 6'4", 220-pound uh, defensive end from Centerville, Ohio. When you look at him, he's very interesting because he's a guy that really has kind of a, an odd mix of schools. But there's a couple of California schools in his list. Uh, he's like final five, final six. Um, Cal and Stanford being two schools. He's got Notre Dame in there, Northwestern, Michigan he's looking at. Um, kind of an interesting uh, bunch of schools there that uh, I think listening to him talk and, and just kind of reading up on him a little bit, he seems like a guy that I think USC would have a, maybe a legitimate shot at if they got him out here. He looks like he's just looking for a school with a really good education. He's a really good student, so academics are a big deal to him. And it just doesn't seem like he has an issue with going away from school. I mean, he's got – you know, a few different programs on his list of favorites that are outside of Ohio. You know, we'll see if Ohio State kind of tries to get in there. They're, they're definitely trying, you know, to make a run at him late. And, you know, you got Urban Meyer in there, so you can, you know, he's going to, you know, really try to hit him hard. And I think they've got, well, they have two uh, coaching staffs now. They've got the coaching staff that actually is coaching the bowl game, and they've got a coaching staff that's recruiting. they got some kind of waiver from the NCAA to do that. Um, uh, so, you know, that that's kind of uh, – an interesting thing. Maybe USC could get two uh, coaching staff. They could get waiver for this coaching staff, and then they could get a coaching staff that can work and sign guys without sanctions. Would that work, Ryan? Would that be cool? I, I don't think that's going to be legal, Jared. Oh, okay. And the NCAA doesn't seem to be too happy with USC anyway, so they, they might take coaches away as opposed to give them more. Oh, shucks. Uh, but uh, so Adenabo is a guy that kind of is interesting. Leonard Williams is also an interesting guy because uh, – uh, actually has some ties out in California. And so, um, you know, and he's also a guy that came out for the Rising Stars camp last summer. It looks like Auburn is kind of the school to be right now. And, and so there's, you know, it might be tough because uh, he, he looks like he's like some schools um, down south. But, again, an official visit, you know, following a guy that came over during the summer on his own dime, you know, that, that's, that's maybe a possibility. So it looks like the out-of-state guys right now, I mean, it, it – it's going to happen. If it's going to be, a, a, I think, a big signee out of state, it's probably going to be one of those defensive ends. A guy that's a surprise, it's probably going to be one of those defensive ends. That kind of seems to be uh, where USC is, is circling the wagons. Not a lot of in-state um, defensive end offers. So, you know, if they're going to get a defensive end, it's probably going to be a guy from out of state. Um, and so, you know, we're going to see how that kind of goes. But, uh, you know, a few a few long shots and some guys that are in there that are maybe – you know, moderate long shots, and a lot can happen on those official visits, and those are not probably going to happen until uh, January. Okay, uh, here's an interesting one from Kurt. Uh, how do you think the hiring of Jim Mora Jr. will affect the recruitment of Ellis McCarthy? 
Um, interestingly enough, I actually did talk to Ellis's uh, family, and I talked to Ellis a little bit about uh, Jim Moore Jr., and uh, they were pretty unfamiliar with him. Um, I think really more of Jim Moore's staff is, is going to affect the possible recruitment of Ellis McCarthy. Um, I wouldn't write them off. Ellis McCarthy, but you know, definitely they're losing a lot of time on him. And, and actually talking to Ellis uh, last Saturday uh, after they won, uh, you know, the, their CIF divisional championship game uh, against San Gabriel, 53-14, he told me, you know, last time I actually talked to UCLA was the day Rick Neuheisel got fired, and he, I guess, messaged him on Facebook and just said, "Hey, I hope me getting fired doesn't affect your recruitment," uh, which. Yeah, well, okay, I guess not, but yeah, of course it does. Um, <laughs> how would it not? I mean, it, it, when you've got a, a coach fired that you had a relationship with, that's obviously going to affect your recruitment. Mike Johnson is the guy that actually recruits uh, that area for UCLA, however, and Mike Johnson's still on the staff. He's actually the interim head coach uh, going into the, uh, uh, what is it, Kraft, Hunger, Fight, uh, something, Walmart, special dot combo that they're in um he's he's taken over for them and so he he, he hasn't evidently been in contact with Ellis mccarthy very much um during that period so uh, they've lost some ground with him a little bit and um you know i think it's really more about jim Moore, who he brings in to recruit Ellis mccarthy um you know he's going to come in obviously and and you know say all the right things and, and try to, you know, make him that Sean Cody recruit, you know, for UCLA, that guy that they get that's the big impact statement guy that they get that nobody thinks that they're going to get because it's a new coaching staff and there's so much turnover. I would say this, the big difference between those two comparisons, and I've seen them made, you know, oh, that could be like a Sean Cody for UCLA. When Pete Carroll came in, he he kept Ed Ergeron on staff, and Ed Ergeron was recruiting Cody from day one. And so that, that, that was a big deal. Jim Moore has to continue to keep, you know, Mike Johnson on staff. And I don't know that Mike Johnson is the recruiter that Ed Erdron is or was at that point. So, you know, obviously, I mean, he hasn't really been in contact with them very much lately. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk to Adrian Clem, uh, the recruiting coordinator from SMU, who's been very good in Southern California trying to get some of these Southern California kids out to Dallas and Fort Worth. He uh, is, is evidently going to be a part of the UCLA staff. And Steve Broussard, they're trying to get over from ASU, who's also a very good city recruiter. So, you know, Morris trying to surround himself with very good recruiters. Um, but, you know, recruiting, and I probably shouldn't say this because I'm a recruiting analyst, and the bigger recruiting is, you know, the more important my job is. But truth be told, I'm a football guy. I know football. You've got to develop your talent, and that's where it comes down to. You can recruit all the best players in the world. Ron Zip did it at Florida. If you can't coach those guys up, if you can't develop them, you're not going to win uh, a, a lot of games. You, you could probably win, I think, seven to eight games on talent if you have a reasonable schedule. Um, and I guess, you know, for UCLA fans, I mean, they'd love that right now. You know, they're like, hey, eight games, oh, my God, yeah, we'd love to get eight games. Uh, but in terms of being a really, truly dominant program, a program that, you know, can, can beat a USC every year and, and beat your rivals every year, I, I think you've you got to have coaches that can – it, you know, get some recruits, some good recruits, that's fine, but be able to develop those guys that maybe aren't the four- or five-star guys. And, and that's what we've seen with this staff at USC is that, you know, we've seen some guys change position, and, and we've seen some movement in personnel, and they just seem to evaluate not only recruits, but they evaluate their own roster very well. And that's just a huge, huge deal. I mean, you know, maybe one of the biggest – uh, moves that they've made in, in, the, in the kind of the wait and see uh, of the program in, in the near future is going to be George Farmer. And a lot of people are like, well, when's George Farmer going to move back to receiver? He's a natural receiver. He's not a natural receiver. He's not going to move him back. They're trying to, they're, they're, they're selling him on, say, man, you could be like Adrian Peterson. He's up to 215 pounds right now. And so, you know, he's thinking about coming in and uh, this, this spring and being like 220 pounds. And, you talk to the USC training staff, they're pretty excited about him. They think that this guy could be it. So, you know, there's a move right there that, hey, maybe it makes or breaks USC because, you know, you're looking at Calvin York not being uh, a recruit and early enrollee anymore. It's going to be hard for them to find, I think, a really quality running back unless they just grab somebody out of the complete diamond-in-the-rough kind of guy that, you know, it's possible. I mean, it's California, and there's, those guys exist. I mean, Darrell, Darrell Davis, who won the Super Bowl and was an old pro with the Broncos, was playing nose guard at Lincoln High School in San Diego. You know, there's guys that exist there that, that could end up being great running backs uh, that people don't know about. But it just, you know, at this point, we don't see anybody. And so, you know, George Farmer might be that guy. He might be really the recruit 
for for this class. You know, bringing him over for his receiver and really having give him some time in spring ball to play running back and kind of just learn the position. So I know that kind of take took us off course there a little bit. That wasn't a rapid fire answer, but um, that's really got to be the important thing. I think it's developing the talent that you have on the roster. You can get a million four star, five star guys, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to develop those guys. And the USC coaching staff has done a very good job of that. Yeah, not very rapid fire. That's okay, Gerard. We'll we'll try to speed him up a little. Uh, let's see. We did get some comments on the message board about how we talk about rapid fire and it never ends up being rapid fire, but recruiting is complicated. There's a lot going on. Yeah, and these questions are complicated, too. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, so this is from Aaron. I noticed there are only three quarterbacks on scholarship, which I thought was kind of low. There's actually four, Aaron. Yeah, uh, there's four. I think he's a senior. Are already counting uh, Matt Barkley? Yes. pro. <laughs> I think people are rooting for juniors to leave just so you can get new recruits. Uh, but most schools have at least four or five on scholarship. Do you see USC bringing any quarterbacks this year? And then we also had one on um, who do you see from Jeff in the not-so-distant future? Do you see USC being heavy on a quarterback in 2013? My guess would be Max Brown or Hayden Reddick. Now, you see... There was two questions there. There was actually more than two questions there, and you put them together, and then you're going to complain that I'm not rapid fire. I think that you're it's not more that they're talking right. about. I'm trying to lump them together because you're going to give a ten minute answer anyway. So if I put two together, no, I won't. Two. You give me some yes or no uh, questions, and I'll give you some yes or no answers. Uh, I noticed there's three quarterbacks in the scholarship roster. That's not true. First of all, there's four. So that is huge, and we talked about this. You know, past weeks, what happens when Barkley? I mean, that's the domino effect here. I mean, if he leaves, it completely changes what USC has to do uh, from a recruiting standpoint. And I think there is a possibility that they do bring in a quarterback this year if Matt Barkley leaves. Uh, it could be a transfer. I mean, we've seen guys, Dane Chris is available, Jake Heaps is out there. There's going to be guys that they could bring in as transfers. Um, and, and then there are, you know, the possibilities of maybe a Gunner Keel. Uh, there's there's a couple quarterbacks that are out there that might look at USC a little harder with Matt Barkley gone. Um, I, I think it's a, a very good possibility to actually bring in a quarterback if they're down to three. Not because they're only down to three quarterbacks, because quite frankly, I think that's plenty for a program that has 75 scholarships. It's more of the issue that you've got two redshirt freshmen, and that's the bigger issue. And, that, and that's kind of why I don't like when you go out and recruit uh, you, you start doubling up on too many positions in recruiting. You know, you bring in four running backs in a class, or you you bring in two quarterbacks in a class. You know, there's only one guy that's going to be able to start, and you and you Richard both. So one of those guys is probably going to transfer if the other guy ends up being the starter. So that's more of the issue why I think there's a possibility they do bring in a quarterback uh, in this class if if Matt Barkley leaves. 2013. Um, you know, Hayden Reddick is a guy that was really high on the list for USC. There was a lot of talk. Maybe he was going to get a scholarship offer. Blues ACL. And now that all of a sudden changes some things. How much does it change things? I don't know. I don't know at this point. But he was talking about maybe making a decision there in January, kind of around signing day. And if USC was going to be that school to get him a scholarship offer, then, in fact, that probably would be his first choice. Max Brown, haven't really heard about Max Brown in USC yet. Um, he's a phenomenal talent, though. He's a really good player. Actually comes from uh, the high school that Jake Heaps came from uh, out of high school. Um, so, you know, he's at least taller than Jake Heaps. He's got, uh, I, I think he's just a little better prospect uh, for a pro system than Jake Heaps. Um, but uh, I haven't really heard a lot about him in USC thus far. Um, so, you know, it, it's really hard to get ahead of ourselves talking, you know, too much about quarterbacks. Uh, when we're just not sure what's going to happen with Matt Barkley. Um, of course, there's always David Sills in the distant future who is committed. And so, uh, you know, I guess I, I guess for, for, you know, Lane Kiffin, maybe it's it's not so hard to see in the future what happens, what's going to happen with running backs because he's had him committed already for, I don't know, a year, a year and a half, two years almost. And, um, and he's uh, just working his way through high school still. Okay. Hey, that wasn't so bad. Um... This one, it says, hello, Ryan and Gerard. This is Mohammed from Dearborn, Michigan. I had a quick question in regards to Matt Khalil moving on, if he opted to. How would that affect the recruitment of Murphy, Pete, and others that would want to play right away coming off strong performances in high school? I also think Banner would fit the mold of a nasty left tackle for years with a year of learning. If we could snag a few of these guys to go along with Simmons and Kevon Seymour, 
This class will be critical for the next few going forward. Fight on and go Trojans. That's Muhammad in Dearborn, Michigan. It's obviously very important. Um, if Khalil leaves, and it leaves a starting position pretty much wide open. The, the second uh, string left tackle at USC this past year on the depth chart was a walk-on. So it's wide open. Now, obviously, you know, spring ball, they're going to have to move some guys around and, and give some guys a shot at that left tackle position. Maybe they, they move uh, Kevin Graff over there to see what, if he can play left tackle. Uh, maybe, you know, Andre Walker. They're going to have to move some guys around. But as far as a natural left tackle – really won't be on the roster. And so all these recruits see that. And a guy like Andres Pete, I think that affects him greatly. I think he's definitely looking at that. Uh, Kyle Murphy, probably that too. Although I think Kyle Murphy has a little more time that he needs to develop. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. He might have been the best offensive tackle that I've seen play this year. But he's 6'7", 270 pounds. He needs to gain some weight and some strength, I think, before he can really play against good Division One defensive ends. Whereas Andres P is already 300 pounds plus at about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so I think he's just got a little more of an immediate impact because of his physical ability right here, right now. Jordan Simmons could get a look at left tackle as well. I think that, you know, I know I've said about, I've talked about this ad nauseum here, but, you know, his just his disposition and his uh, kind of his intangibles as a player, I think give him the ability to maybe play early at tackle because I just don't think he's a guy that's going to lose his composure. I think he's smart. I think he's very settled. And if you're going to throw a freshman out there and it's kind of throwing him to the wolves, I think he could actually get away with it more than a lot of guys. Zach Banner, Kind of same thing, uh, I think, with Murphy, a guy that needs to develop a little more. He's got all the physical tools, but it's just a matter of coordination and kind of just getting used to his body. He's improving a lot. I mean, it's every time I saw him you know, over the summer, he got better and better each time. So he's a guy that really is going to develop with uh, coaching, um, and he could be also a, a right tackle. I think the offensive tackle positions just are really what's important with USC right now, and obviously with Khalil, it becomes that much more important. Now, if he stays, again, it has just the same, I think, uh, amount of impact as if he leaves. You know, if he stays, then is Andres Pete really looking at, at USC, does he all of a sudden go, eh, I'm going to go to Nebraska. I'm going to go somewhere where I can start as a true freshman. I mean, some of these kids want to start as true freshmen. And, um, you know, if, if if that spot's not open, then obviously, you know, you're not, you're not going to supplant Matt Khalil unless he gets hurt. Uh, you know, but uh, I, I feel like if Khalil came back, Kyle Murphy would be a little more interesting of a prospect for USC just because I think – he could definitely use that year to develop behind a Matt Khalil and then step in right behind him uh, after Khalil, you know, graduates as a senior. And that would be awesome for USC to, to have that, you know, back-to-back type talent at left tackle. Okay, let's see. What else do we have? Um, Lawrence in Dallas, Texas, had a couple questions. on. Well, just basically one question on playing time. And there's some guys like Gerald Bowman, and we just talked about offensive tackles having some playing time. It's like with Lane Kiffin showing that they have to play a lot of bodies to win games, why do you think playing time is such an issue? Um, you know, Lane has picked a lot of freshmen to play in early and they have to get them playing to get the game experience because of the lack of scholarship. So basically, why do you think the playing time is going to be an issue for recruits when USC has already shown they have to play a lot of young guys? Uh, that's a hard question to answer. Uh, I mean, recruits are going to look at playing time, and if they feel like USC can get them playing time, then they'll look at USC. Um, I don't really know how to answer it much further than that. Uh, I mean, that's why USC is, is in it with so many guys. I mean, that's why, you know, if that wasn't true, then Keegan Seymour would probably not look as highly at USC because he would feel like, oh, you know, they're just going to play uh, Isaiah Wiley. Or, oh, they're just going to play – uh, you know, uh, Torn Harris, and, and obviously with uh, with Nikel Roby on the other corner spot, there'd be no playing time. But Keith Seymour realizes that they rotate guys, and there are guys that are going to be coming in and coming out. There are going to be injuries, and there's a good shot for him to be able to compete for that starting corner opposite of Nikel Roby. Um, so I think, I mean, it's it kind of it, it is what it is. There, there are recruits that want playing time, and they're going to talk about playing time. If they lose somebody, I mean, at this point, they haven't really necessarily lost any of those guys because of playing time. Um, you know, if you lose Gerald Bowman uh, to Miami for playing time, then you could maybe make that argument and say, well, you know, after the fact, 
why why didn't he just go to USC anyways? Because you know they're using a lot of bodies and and you know he could have uh, played instead of Starling because Starling you know obviously maybe he could get hurt and whatever. I, I mean, but but you know I mean at safety USC's actually got some depth there. I mean they've got um, Drew McAllister who, who's who's still kind of trying to come back I think from that hip injury. Um, you know they've got Jawanza Starling. Uh, they've got T.J. McDonald. Um, they've got uh, Demetrius Wright. They've got guys there. So, you know so they've got some bodies. So I mean in some cases. While USC only has 75 scholarships, it's not necessarily like they don't have talent. I mean, you know, somebody did make shirts that said our 75 are better than your 85. I don't know who that was, but um, uh, they're was... out there. They exist, <laughs> and they exist for a reason. So, uh, you know, to answer the question, it, it kind of it, – it's, it's hard to really say that, oh, it's not an issue uh, because it, it is still an issue at certain positions for some players. Um, but obviously USC is probably going to do a good job recruiting this class because they played so many freshmen and because they only have 75 rides. And, and Lane is smart and he knows how to sell that and say, yeah, people are going to say that's a bad thing because it's going to hurt our ability to win games, but it's a good thing for you because you're, we're not going to be recruiting over you all the time. I think more than anything, it's you know next year we're not going to recruit – four guys at your position because we don't have the rides to do that. We only have 15 scholarships. And that's probably more of a selling point um, than necessarily who's on the roster now and you're going to play right away. And, and I mean, those, those positions open up naturally, just like we talked about with Khalil. You know, if he leaves, it's a wide-open spot for one of these offensive tackles to play right away. If he comes back, he comes back. And while there's not a ton of, uh, you know, there's not a ton of depth behind him, and that will help with recruiting, you know, that spot still being solidified by Matt Khalil might scare away another guy that wants to play next year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean there could, it could work against you in certain positions. Like when there was a time USC started three freshmen at linebacker towards the end of the year. They were starting three freshmen. So is that a, does that affect the linebacker recruit saying, wow, there's three freshmen starting right now. When the heck am I going to get in there? Yeah, it, it affected them in terms of it, it. both Jabari Ruffin and Scott Starr, the two committed linebackers in the 2012 class, both had questions about how am I going to fit in? You know, what am I going to do? I, I got two you know, Richard freshmen playing in front of me, and I'm going to be a freshman next year. So, you know, how, how do I contribute? USC did a great job, Lane, selling those guys on still being able to contribute and finding a spot for them and, and finding a role for them and, and getting them playing time and, and – showing where they can still make an impact next year. So they've done that. I mean, Lane is selling that. And, and if, he, if he wasn't able to, those guys wouldn't still be committed and Scott Starr wouldn't be signing USC on December 21st. So, I mean, there's a question there that really it doesn't exist at this point. You know what I mean? There, there's a questioning of, well, why are guys, you know, why would they think, think about not going to USC because of playing time when Lane is playing so many guys? But you, you can only answer you can only ask that ask that question when they start losing guys. You know what I mean? When they start losing some of these players, maybe in January or something, because that's the reason because of playing time. Gerald Bowman would be the one guy that I would see, you know, maybe coming up here that's going to make a decision where um, he could, you know, legitimately go to another school, maybe because you know of of, of T.J. McDonald and not feeling that there would be, you know, a spot for him. But but I could see where that argument stands true for him because there are guys there and. And while, yeah, Delaney has done a good job, uh, you know, rotating guys in and, and having multiple different players uh, contributing, um, you know, if a guy wants a starring role, you know, and, and, and only has, you know, two years to play, then that's a little different than just being in the program, for, you know, four or five years and being able to contribute just at some point. You know, Joe Bowman doesn't want to come to USC and just contribute on special teams. He obviously wants to come in and be a guy that's playing on the field um, with that starting 11 or, or contributing in some you know, fashion of, of that starting rotation, you know, throughout the season. I, I don't know that he needs he want he's demanding to come in and start from day one, but you know what? Miami's probably gonna tell him, hey, you can do that and so that's gonna be tempting for him. And uh, you mentioned Gerald Bowman and in the live show. He actually talked about playing time being real important and that live show's up on uh peristylepodcast.com. You can check it out. Um we always put the latest Ustream show up on peristylepodcast.com and this is a big one we did Jabari Ruffin two weeks ago, and then last week we did uh, uh, Gerald Bowman. So that's up on peristylepodcast.com. You can check it out. Uh, here's one from Marty. Uh, I recent, recently asked Gerard on the P, he's referring to the peristyle on uscfootball.com, to comment on a junior running back by the name of Levon Coleman out of Lompoc. He's 5'11", 195, making the kind of impact here in the Central Coast that Napoleon Kaufman did 
years ago. What's your take on him? And could be an, could he be an SC level recruits recruit? Thanks for any info you have. You have on this outstanding athlete. By the way, Gerard had referenced earlier this part of California as being the boonies, in quotes. <laughs> sort of the same remark Larry Smith had made to me when I mentioned Napoleon Kaufman. That, as we know, turned out to be SC's loss and Washington's gain. That's from Marty. Well, truth be told, Marty, unfortunately, I have not seen a whole lot of Levon. Uh, and it's just, I, I won't say that uh, Levon. I'm not focusing the boonies again, um, but it's out there and certainly not a place that you know, I've been able to go and check out high school football games this year. So um, I've heard of him, and um, you know I, I, he's been uh, a player up there that's getting a lot of, uh, I guess, just a lot of uh, uh, notoriety. Um, but you know, is he, a, is he an SD level recruit? Uh, how good is he? I, I we would have to see more. So I, I'd be honest with you, I don't know at this point. Um, and I just I just tell you, I don't know. When I don't know things, I'll tell you I don't know. I'm not going to just make stuff up and try to riff it. But uh, So I don't know. I mean, this is a guy that we got to see more tape on. Hopefully he shows up to some camps. And this is really a big thing. If if you know the kid, if you've been around the kid, tell him you've got to go to camps. You've got to get to some camps. And not just Nike camps and, and all that stuff, but go to some of these school camps. You know, even the Rising Stars camp, the – the, the the skills camp, you, you gotta get some exposure to these college coaches. That's what really matters. And and you could put together a DVD highlight or whatever. But you know, truth be told, if you're up there and you're you're playing Cabrillo and you're playing these teams up there in Oxnard and, and whatnot, there's gonna be questions. To just you know, the coaches are gonna go, well, okay, what's the competition like? What what's the level of competition here that that these, this kid is making all these great runs and he's running for 200 yards a, a game? So you they gotta get there and they gotta kind of be able to test themselves and compete against other players from other areas. And that's going to be, you know, that's when you can look at and go, hey, you know, Ron Coleman, that guy's legitimately running, running the 4-4-5. You know, that kid's legitimately, uh, you know, got some size and got some strength. And, and then you can go, okay, his size, his strength, his physical profile, now we that backs up what we've seen on film. Now, you know, we look on him on film and we look at his speed, he's running by people, okay, that's cool for, you know, up there in the, the Central Coast area, but when you start to see him run by guys that are from Long Beach Poly and from Carson and everything, then it, then it just, you, there's greater reference there, and that's, you know, true for recruiting experts, you know, and I kind of laugh at that, I'm a little cynical of that recruiting expert, like there's a such thing as an expert, one-eyed man in the land of the blind most of the time, um, but the real experts are the coaches, and, and it gives them reference, too, as to, you know, how good this player really is. It's all relative. You know, say speed is relative. It is relative. <laughs> so you got to be able to kind of line up against guys um, that they're familiar with, that they've seen in person, and then you beat those guys, and then all of a sudden now, you know, uh, LeVon Coleman is one of the top players, and then people start looking at him as Napoleon Kaufman becomes, before he comes out of high school, and isn't overlooked. Okay. Thanks for that one, Marty. Let's see. This is from Jay Douglas White. He's a MD, MPH, and MBA. So this is a, a highly educated podcast questioner. Uh, he wants to know uh, if Nelson, if we miss on Nelson Aguilar, I assume we go after another athlete in this class. Who is most likely to fill that spot still on the board? Wow. Um, that's tough. That's tough. that's a tough answer. I don't know. Cause he's, um, he's really being recruited as a receiver, though, right? Not yeah. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. You know, USC's been very. Um, I mean, they've been very generous with the the receiver offers over the past month or so. So, and then they're bringing in a lot of really good players for at the receiver position. Uh, another five star guy that they're trying to bring in is uh, Stephon Dix, and I mean, Stephon Dix is is from. Um, you know, out there in the East Coast, a guy that has kind of looked at USC here and there, but really isn't a guy that, uh, you know, I think people ever ever have given USC a real good shot at. Um, I mean, over from Maryland, there's been a lot of talk like, oh, he really likes Florida. Kind of Florida was a school for a while that was uh, the school that maybe was on top of him. And then a lot of people said, well, Charlie Weiss going to Kansas as an office coordinator, that really hurts Florida's ability to recruit Stephon Diggs. You know, I don't know about all that. I don't really know Stephon Diggs very well because he's kind of a guy that's always been kind of a long-shot type guy. But they're bringing him in also, and that's a guy that's kind of sort of got a little Robert Woods type thing going on. He's, he's not a big receiver. He's, he's six foot, 180 pounds, got good speed, um, pretty good in the open field. Uh, you know, I think 
it's hard to it's hard for me to re, to compare guys with Robert Woods though because Robert Woods brings so many intangibles to the table. I mean, take if you ever DVR a USC game on TV, any of the games last year, just take a moment to concentrate away from the ball and watch Robert Woods and watch what he does on the field. Just blocking, just going through you know any any fakes that he has to do if he has to clear you know, uh, uh, the the middle zone or if it's man or something, and he's trying to clear the middle for, for Randall Telfer or somebody to break open on a post corner. He's so diligent and so good about doing all those little things. And that's just such a huge deal. I, I feel like that's such a big deal for this offense. And, and a lot of these guys, they see Robert Woods and they use Robert Woods as an example of that's the standard. That's what you have to do. And it's hard to look at a recruit and know that he has that ability, you know, especially when you don't know him. I mean, Stephon Diggs is out there in Maryland. I, I don't know the guy from, from Adam. I mean, I've seen, we saw him actually at the Army All-American Combine and watched him a little bit. But I don't know him as a person. I don't know his work ethic. And so it's hard physically, you know, talent-wise. He may be close to Robert Woods. But, you know, put that kind of, hey, he could be the next Robert Woods. Uh, that's putting a lot on the kid because of Robert Woods' work ethic and just what he does, you know, not just on the field but even away from the field. Nelson Aguilar has some of those attributes as well, and I know a little more about Nelson Aguilar as a person than I do Stephon Diggs, and that's a guy that seems to get it when it comes to away from the football, away from the field, um, just, you know, working and being a really good teammate. Obviously, he's got a lot of talent. Obviously, a star you pop in is his all-star, or excuse me, his highlight tape, and you watch him play running back, you watch him play receiver, uh, the kid has got a tremendous amount of talent. Now, again, we were just talking about LeVon Coleman. It's that, you know, relative competition, and, you know, he plays at Berkeley Prep in Tampa, and Berkeley Prep is a very small school in Florida, so, you know, people are going to question, you know, is he legitimately playing against good players? You know, I'll remind you that there were some questions about Robert Woods and even Marquise Lee and George Farmer to that extent as well, because Sarah High School doesn't play against, you know, Pac-5 competition. They're not playing against Modern Day and, and Santa Margarita and Servite every week either. So there were some questions about those guys as well, especially them all playing on that same team. I mean, they, I mean, you have those three guys. You had, you know, probably over the three-year court period, you probably had 20 guys go to Division One colleges. And you may not have had 20 guys in that whole freaking conference, the whole league that they played against going to Division One school. So you obviously had a lot of people questioning that of Robert Woods and Marquis Lee when they were coming out. Nelson Aguilar get those same questions. Uh, but to answer the question from, the, from our member here, uh, the subscriber asking about Nelson Aguilar, who's the replacement guy, I don't know that there is a replacement guy. I don't know that there needs to be a replacement guy because it is the receiver position, and that's where he's going to be recruited at. Um, but, you know, Diggs is obviously a talented player. DJ Foster is still talking about USC. He kind of reopened his recruitment again. He was down to ASU, Oregon. A lot of people felt like he was just going to commit to ASU. And then when Erickson left, and now that coaching staff may be raided by UCLA, you know, that's going to maybe – put D.J. Foster in, into some question mark about, you know, whether he really wants to go to ASU. Um, Oregon was a school there, but I feel like, you know, if he was going to commit to Oregon, he could have committed to Oregon a long time ago. I mean, he, you know, Oregon's coaching staff hasn't really changed. Nothing's really changed with Oregon. So might as well just go to Oregon. So he might be legitimately looking around if ASU's coaching staff uh, isn't up to par for him. Um, you know, they, they're, you know, Deontay Greenberry is a guy that USC was fooling around with trying to bring in on a visit. He may still – come to USC on a visit. I, I think that's still in the works. Um, and then there's some guys that, you know, have committed to other schools that may give USC another look. You know, Bryce Trigger has been around USC a lot. He's a very good receiver. He's committed to Cal. He's very polished. Um, I, I think he's probably not tra- as physical as enough in Aguilar, uh, maybe not even as Stephon Diggs, um, but, you know, he's a very good player. A guy that I like that's very, very underrated is Gabe Marks. I think that's a kid that's going to play big-time college football. He's going to be a good player for somebody. Um, I, he's got a work ethic. Uh, he's definitely got more of an edge uh, than even a Robert Woods or, or a Nelson Aguilar. Uh, and grades are going to probably be an issue for him. I don't know if he could get into USC, but that's a guy that's got tremendous amount of talent. We saw him at the B2G camp and just, Love him. I mean, he just takes over games and is dominant. For a guy that's not really big, I mean, he's about six foot, 170 pounds, not a big kid, but uh, just he can kind of take over and, and will himself to make plays when you go, man, there's no way he's going to catch that ball. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's plenty of receivers out there, but the question really dives into a little more of it, – it, it's, a, it's a little more intangible. You know, it's a little more – Nelson Aguilar seems to have a little bit of that kind of Marquise Lee, Robert Woods – um, 
you know, disposition about him, and, and can you replace that if he doesn't sign? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if, if there's another receiver out there that you can bring in that's willing. I mean, here's another thing. We're talking about the depth chart and everything, and I know this is the opposite. This has begun anti-rapid fire. Yes. But, 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 <laughs> but I don't care because it's Trojan Blast, and it's all about recruiting, and that's what we're talking. Uh, we're, getting in, we're getting the real stuff of recruiting. You're not going to get this anywhere else, anywhere. Somebody's talking about recruiting in this kind of detail because people, you know, mainstream media is never going to put that out there. So when it comes to Nelson Aguilar, we're talking about depth charts. We're talking about playing time. That's a guy that seems to be buying into USC despite, despite Marquis Lee. Robert, Marquis Lee is going to be a sophomore next year. Robert was going to be a junior. Um, you got George Farmer, who you know. I mean, we talked about him playing running back, but you know he's a guy that played receiver. He could end up, you know, going back and playing some receiver. You never know. Uh, you got Devon Flournoy still on the roster. You got Kyle Prater, who's you know, not, you know, uh, kind of a, a sleeping giant there, if you will, as a receiver. I mean, you got a lot of reasons to go. No, USC's got too many receivers. I don't want to go to USC. But now Aguilar, if he signs with USC. He signs the USC despite that, and that I think makes more of a uh, of a statement than anything. And that would go, you know, that'd be true of Stephon Diggs and and you know any receiver, uh, you know, in that class. And they've got Darius Rogers committed as well, and he's going to be a guy uh, that that's got to you know deal with the depth chart. And and so that's good, you know. That's that's you want guys that are willing to come in and compete and not take the easy way out and say, you know, what, I don't want to go to USC because there's too many good players there, and I'm not going to play, and I'm not confident enough in myself. Um, you know, when you when you got those guys, they take off like you know Randall Carroll. They weed themselves out, and sometimes for USC, it ends up being a good thing. It ends up being a positive, and and that's kind of I think was the mastery of Pete Carroll and what he was able to do at USC with his competition model. He was able to weed out a lot of guys that just didn't have what it took to be Trojans, if you will. I mean, he didn't. They didn't have what it took to be able to come in and you know not necessarily uh, it, it work you know, earn that spot to be a number one player. And, and that doesn't mean that guys are not egotistical. And, you know, if they don't, when they think they can win that spot and then they don't win that spot and then they start crying and they go, I don't know what you know, um, Emmanuel Moody, you know, a guy like that, that, you know, he doesn't able, he's not able to get in and actually win a spot over. He starts to decide, oh, well, you know, I want to transfer, I'm going to leave. Um, you know, that happens too. I think with Nelson Aguilar, though, I think he's a guy that if he goes to USC, he's there for the long haul. And, and again, not just a good, talented player, but he ends up being probably a pretty good teammate. I don't know if you can replace that. Okay. Uh, we're going to give you one more shot at a rapid-fire question, Gerard. Okay, let's see if you can handle it. Do you give think... me a yes or no question. I'll give you a yes or no answer. Kurt wants to know, do you think Vituvi and Wheeler will stick with USC or flip the cow? Vituvi and Wheeler. Well, it would help if you actually pronounce the guy's name right. Vituvi. Um, uh, Pio Vituvi. Uh, and Wheeler. I, Wheeler says he's going to stick with USC for sure. Um, you know, uh, P.O. is a little, uh, you know, less um, solid at this point. Uh, his mom wants to keep him close to home. He loves his mom, wants to do what, you know, his mom wants him to do. Uh, but his dad is a big USC fan, and his dad wants him to go to USC. So there's a little bit of a civil war going on in the Batuve house. Uh, he's going to have his official visit to USC January 20th, and that's going to be kind of the make or break. I think. I think USC. I, I, I give USC the nod right now. I, I mean, it's 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 tough to make that prediction. A lot of people are saying, "Ah, he's going to go to Cal." He's, he's you know he's going to go to Cal because Cal's closer and and Tosh is a great recruiter and they're just going to get him. I I really do think he's a USC fan, and I think with that last visit, I think USC is going to end up getting him. Um, and I'm going out on a limb there, but I just feel like USC's really kind of the school for him, and I think you know with recruiting staff they have. I think once his mom kind of sits down and is able to see the school and, and gets to know the coaching staff, she'll be a little more open uh, to him going to USC. And um, I think they have a really good shot. I'd say right now he's probably 65, you know, percent USC. And and that's you know that's a, and the visit's still to come. So I think there's a lot to go in with that official visit. That's and, and he said you know that's when he's going to know if he's committed or not for sure. Okay, and then. Uh... We have one last one. Well, I don't know if we can really even answer this. Now, David, you're my boy. You've been writing a bunch of questions. But you guys got to help me out here. You just, I could ask Gerard if he wants a glass of water, and I get a dissertation. Now, if you ask him, he has some points here. Because when you ask a question like this, and he even calls this a, a – he goes, Ryan, here's a short and to-the-point question for GM. Okay, I'm, I'm excited for this one. 
<laughs> and th- then there's what the question is. Other than those already committed, who are the recruits you think are most likely to sign with USC in February? A very open-ended, like, short question, yes. Nowhere near a short answer because he this, wants he wants a, a prediction list for which is like you know which is hard to do on the podcast anyway maybe in a story or something but that's that's a lot of guys and I uh, say I say you know today right now um, and this is all it all can change I mean it's changing like the wind it's recruiting and, and we don't know what's going to happen with you know coaching staff changes with other schools that might affect the recruits and, and visits. And I mean, some of these guys haven't even taken visits. I think right now I'll say this much. USC, if, if signing day was tomorrow, I think USC would be in, in a very good place with Ellis McCarthy. Um, I, I think they would be in a very good place with Kevon Seymour. Um, I would tend to think that they would probably get Gerald Bowman. Um, that's a, you know, I, I just, that's a feel. I think that they're in a good spot with Gerald Bowman. I don't know what the heck is going to happen with the running back class. I think that's really that's hard to pin down if they're going to go on somebody who's a who's a kind of a diamond in the rough, um, or they're able to try to steal somebody from another class. You know, somebody that comes in that's committed somewhere else. Um, you know, they're really trying to get that early enrollee, and I think that was tough. Um, I don't know if I can foresee that happening. It just depends on again. You know, who, who, what's what's the what's the what's the level? What's the standard? You know, do we do we go and give just an offer just to give an offer, kind of like they did last year with some guys, or do they say, you know what, we're we're going to hold on to it and only take the guys we really want that feel that they can make an impact here? That's kind of where the the, the running back position sits right now, uh, kind of from where I'm standing. Uh, I think they got a real good shot at El- Nelson Aguilar. Um, I, I think that's a guy that uh, I think USC is really in a good spot for. And we'll see what happens with the visit, but if, again, if signing day was tomorrow, I think Nelson Aguilar would 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 probably be USC. Um, I think they're in a good spot with Zach Banner. Uh, I think they're in a increasingly good spot with Pete. I don't know if they if signing day was tomorrow that he'd be USC. I, I think that would be really tough. I don't know if he even would know where he would go. Kyle Murphy, I would say, would probably be Stanford still, but you know. I think USC's in it, and I think they got to continue to go in it. And, and again, it's a, it's a you know a deal with visits. See, I mean, visits can be so significant that you know, and in-home visits as well. I mean, Lane Kiffin hasn't had had an in-home visit with Kyle Murphy yet. He hasn't had an in-home visit with uh, with Zach Banner yet or anybody, and that, and that can be very significant as well. Um, but I, and I and I think there'll be some surprises there. I think USC. We'll grab some guys. I think the offensive line is kind of where you're starting to look at. You know, they might they might bring in maybe an extra guy that could surprise some people. Um, the center position has been a position. All of a sudden, they've started to cultivate some offers. Uh, you know, a guy like Mike Matthews from Fort Penn, Texas, who's part of the Matthew clan, which obviously goes way back with uh, USC. Uh, you know, his brother is going to Texas A&M. He's committed to Texas A&M, um, but, you know, that coaching staff is no longer there. And so, you know, he might give USC a look now. Um, you know, uh, Hiva uh, Latui uh, is another guy that's you just got an offer from uh, Ulysses, Texas. Um, he's committed to UCLA. We'll see what happens with UCLA if they're able to keep him committed. But he's got an offer from USC now, and that's a guy that you know, I've heard is, really wants to get back to Southern California. He's from Anaheim, so uh, you know that, that, that's a center prospect that USC might have a shot at. Um, you know, I heard Deontay Greenberry really, really likes USC. You know, how, how does USC play that? You know, I, I don't even know if he has really a scholarship offer at this point. So, you know, that's a hard guy to predict. You know, he could be in the class. It depends really on how bad USC wants him. Maybe if things fall through with Nelson Aguilar and Stephon Diggs, maybe that's when USC goes hard after a guy like Deontay Greenberry. First, they've got to get him on a visit. So, again, you know, if I knew it was tomorrow and we could throw out official visits and say, sorry, guys, you can't take any official visits. That's how I kind of see things playing out, but obviously they can change a lot. But, you know, I guess it gives some idea to the recruiting fans of where USC sits right now, where they stand going into the holidays. The dead period is coming up. There's not going to be a lot of contact. Uh, Then they're going to get on the other side of the All-Star Games, and then you're going to get the contact period, and then you're really going to get that home stretch of recruiting where things get nutty and you start to see some craziness. Not that we haven't seen craziness already. Right. Okay. Well, Gerard, thanks very much. Uh, Great show. A lot of fun. Uh, the recruiting Trojan blast. We've been doing these for the last several weeks. It's, I think we'll keep doing them for a little while at least. But, you know, we'll see you over the Christmas holiday and stuff. And then don't forget, everyone, hopefully you can come out uh, Monday, the 19th of December. McKay's Restaurant, 11 o'clock. We'll tape the show with Gerard and everybody. We'll do it all together. 
Uh, so it should be a fun time. So come out for that. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you, seeing you then, Gerard. Thanks for coming on. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. (laughs) 